I wanted to be a vet maybe from the age of like three. Well, no, I wanted to be a cat when I was three. Like I thought that I was going to grow up and become a cat for like probably an embarrassingly long time until my family like told me like, this isn't going to be possible. You are a different species. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs, boutique hotels, and hospitality brands, and the hosts, operators, and entrepreneurs who have brought them to life. Every Tuesday and Friday, you'll meet the military veterans, the retired flight attendants, tech entrepreneurs, the school teachers, the single moms, and the real estate investors who are all, in their own unique ways, shaping the future of travel and hospitality. Discover how these visionaries from all over the world have built chic cabins in the mountains, designed bohemian bungalows on the beach, erected eclectic off-grid and nature-immersed escapes, and so much more. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, the internet's best destination for last-minute Airbnb deals. You can subscribe for free at Spontaneous.com. And I'm your host, Zach Buzicruz, co-founder and CEO of Spontaneous. All right, friends, enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Megan Moylan, Executive Director of Outpost, a vacation rental and property management company located in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. If you were to have asked Megan what she wanted to be when she grew up, she would have told you a cat, a veterinarian, a nurse, or a lawyer, depending on whether she was 3, 10, 15, or 18. As fate would have it though, Megan did not become any of the aforementioned. And after graduating from college with a degree in public relations, she decided she was going to move to Thailand to teach English. One night at a bonfire, she was telling an acquaintance of hers about her plans to move abroad when said acquaintance asked if she had ever considered working in hospitality. Well, she hadn't, but that night, Megan went home and on a total whim, applied for a job at 360 Blue, one of the most respected luxury vacation rental management companies in the country. And, well, Megan got the job. And almost 10 years later, Megan has become one of the most interesting and influential young voices in the industry. In this chat, Megan and I discuss opportunities that she sees for young entrepreneurs to build great businesses in and around vacation rentals, what the quote-unquote Instagram Airbnb host can learn from professional operators in the space, and vice versa, her new love of podcasting given the recent launch of her show Workflows and Espressos on the Hospitality AMM Network, hot takes she has on the future of hospitality, and so much more. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Megan. All right, Megan, we are live. How are you doing this fine day? I'm doing well. We were just talking about the weather and it's kind of dreary here. Like I feel like I, I was just telling my friend I haven't seen the sun in a really long time. So things could be better on the weather front. But aside from that, everything's great. Well, it is like we're recording this. It's like January 30th. Like this will publish like early Feb and I guess it's like the the weather's the weather's doing what the weather's supposed to be doing, right? Yeah, we just, right. We just don't it's like it, you know. I know January and February, like they're just bleak, right? Like it's yeah. fun for snowboarding. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my wife and I, when we were doing the whole like nomad thing, we um we decided that like every January was like our California month. Like we'd go to San Diego and we just like, we were in oh, yeah. San Diego for like, it ended up being like months. It was like January yeah, through March. Amazing. We'd just be like, 
San Diego because everywhere else in the world, like it's either, you know, if you go too far south, it's just hot and humid. We don't like that. But then everywhere else it's freezing. And like San Diego yes. in January, oh my gosh. It's, like, it's a dream. It's absolute bliss. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know. My family's going on vacation this year to Park City. I'm like, I yeah. live in Jackson Hole. Like you had to take a ski vacation. Like we couldn't go to the Bahamas or something. So that's my next vacation in two weeks. We're going to Park City. Oh, amazing. Well, hey, I can't wait to hear about it. Um, we could talk about the weather all day, um, but I brought you on this this pod to talk about something other than the weather, believe it or not. Um, but Megan, we we like recently connected and yeah. you are a new podcaster. And so I wanted I actually want to like dive into some like nerd out about some like podcasting stuff later. Um, but I have to I have to say to our listeners that your show like I I'm like a big fan of your new show and you have the, there's like this like blooper reel that's gone like low-key like viral <laughs> about your like first couple episodes yeah. and I I watched that freaking video I kid you not like at least five times like my <laughs> wife like she like came down she was like what are you laughing at <laughs> she's like it's so some like crazy like Instagram reel and it's like no it's a blooper reel from like <laughs> Megan's new like workflows and espressos podcast that's a part of the hfm network and anyways it was just uh it it really did like make my morning so thank you, so thank you for embarrassing yourself oh and putting God, yourself out there. Like for thousands of people on the internet yeah will <laughs> reached out to me and was like what do you think about if i post this and i watched it and i said it doesn't matter like what i'm doing i hate the sound of my own voice like whether or not i'm listening to myself on a podcast or like someone records a panel or whatever like it just sounds like nails on a chalkboard and so watching that i was like i mean at least it's like quality entertainment um, <laughs> go ahead and it has it's pumped up the listens which has been really good like we had a really good first week and today actually as we're recording this the second episode's coming out so Amazing. It's been so exciting. Amazing. Well, and I I commented on on LinkedIn about this, but like you you gave me like total like corporate Natalie vibes, and I'm mm -hmm. like a huge like corporate Natalie fan, her. and <laughs> she's like she's just like my hero. Um, and so um, I uh it, and I'm realizing like we're throwing all sorts of like jargon out there, but for our listeners, <laughs> uh, you know, Will Slickers, he's the founder of HFM behind the stays, uh, which you're listening to right now, as well as Megan's new podcast, Workflows and Espresso's are a part of Will's network. So mm -hmm. that's who Will is. If you're like, who the heck is this Will guy? Who is talking Will? About? Um, and then Megan did have this like amazing uh, uh, blooper reel uh, that was promoting her her new podcast that was like mm -hmm. trending on LinkedIn. And so I'll 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 link all this stuff in the show notes. And if you don't know Corporate Natalie, just go down to the oh, freaking show notes. Stop listening to this conversation right <laughs> now and just like go to the show notes, click the link, and go follow Corporate yes. Natalie because she's just she's come back awesome. after you've watched her videos. Yes, <laughs> they're going to be way more interesting than what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Megan, without further ado, one of my favorite questions to ask folks that come on the show is if I were to talk to you, if I were to meet like 10 year old Megan and be like, hey, yo, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what would you have said? How would you answer that question as a 10 year old? A veterinarian, 100 percent. Okay. Yeah, I was very deep down this medicine path, like starting first with animals. I, I wanted to be a vet maybe from the age of like three. Well, huh. no, I wanted to be a cat when I was three. Like I thought <laughs> that I was going to grow up and become a cat for like probably an embarrassingly long time until my family prep like told me like, this isn't going to be possible. It, you are a different species. So then I wanted to be a vet and I wanted that for, I don't know, like a long time before I decided that I wanted to be a doctor, an anesthesiologist. 
Okay. That's very and specific. Why, why anesthesiology? I really don't know. I don't know if it was like Grey's Anatomy, like getting mm. really deep down into medical dramas on ABC, like that thing <laughs> on next life path. And I actually like started college with a pre-med track and that lasted for one semester. I took biology and I called my mom after every test because I'm like horrible at science and she was like, well, maybe nursing like would be better and you wouldn't have to take like as advanced science classes. So then I was a pre-nursing major and like that was still so hard for me. And <laughs> then I switched to PR and ultimately okay. ended up in political science deciding that I was going to be an attorney, which I also didn't do that. And now I'm <laughs> So it was a very rough road for me from the age of like three until I was 22 trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Wow. You know, you know, what's funny about that? It sounds to me anyways, that like, you know, a lot of people like aren't sure what they want to do and they're indecisive, but it's, it sort of seems to me like you were pretty decisive in each of these yeah. seasons. Like I am going to be a cat. 100%. I am going to be a vet. I am going to be a freaking lawyer. Like you, like yeah. you, like you went all in. I and was then all in. Pivoted. Yeah. It was like a six month thing for, as I got older. Like when I was younger, it was like years of like, I'm going to be this vet and blah, blah. Like that's what I'm going to grow up to be. I don't know. Maybe like Dr. Doolittle was mm. part of that. Like the Eddie Murphy, Dr. Doolittle movies. And <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And then like real life started to happen and I was like, okay, I have to take chemistry four. I can't even take chemistry one. And like <laughs> I I started studying for the LSAT and being like, God, I like hate taking tests. And then I was like, I don't even really like school. Like, why do I want to go to school for the next eight years of my life? So vacationals were obviously right after the medical track. They fell like number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask, yes. Yeah, so like how, like talk to us about that transition. So, so today, just for the sake of our listeners, your executive director um, at a, a really cool uh, vacation rental company called Outpost and you're in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, how do you go from like, hey, I'm studying for the LSAT to being in a leadership position at a, a really cool uh, vacation rental management company? Yeah. So it's funny. I left or graduated college and moved back home. I'm from the panhandle of Florida and my sister got engaged and I was planning, this is funny. I was planning, I decided that I wasn't going to be a lawyer and I was going to move to Thailand to teach English. Okay. And very, yeah, I've lived many lives and my sister got engaged and was like, okay, I'm going to get married in six months. And you know, I have to plan the bachelor party and the wedding, all the things. And I thought to myself, like, well, I can't move to Thailand and then like plan all this stuff. So I'll just stay here for six months until my sister gets married and I'll move to Thailand, obviously. And I was at a bonfire one night and I met someone who's like still my good friend to this day. This is in 2015. So nine okay. years ago. And she said, I work for this company called 360 Blue and I'm in the concierge department and it is so incredible. And I love this company, like raved about it. And I went home that night and I applied for a job to be in reservations, like not really understanding what a vacation rental company was, what reservations really meant. And I interviewed and got the job. And so I started wow. as a reservations agent in 2015 at 360 Blue in Santa Rosa Beach. And that's kind of how it all started. And 360 Blue, like, again, for our, for our listeners, a lot of the folks who are tuning into to this conversation, they're like really cool entrepreneurs. They've worked in tech or they built other companies elsewhere or they have, you know, full-time jobs. And they, during COVID, many of them, 
uh, had made a little bit of money through a, a company exit or just decided, hey, I'm, I've got all this time. I'm working remotely. Let me go buy some land and build some cool A-frames. Like the, the, a lot of the folks that tune into this conversation are not sort of like steeped in vacation rental drama and history and, mm-hmm. you know, the who's who. But 360 Blue, I know, is a, is a very reputable and very like respected company. So could you just share a little bit about like, you know, their, their prestige, if you will? Yeah, of course. So 360 at the time when I started managed about 220 vacation rentals, more on the luxury end of the spectrum, like think homes that have a projected annual income of 80 to 100,000 at a very minimum. Um, yeah, upwards yeah. of five, 600,000. And we went through a, a significant amount of growth in the six years that I was there. So when I left, we had about 700 homes, had acquired two businesses, one in Breckenridge, Colorado. One was St. Joe, the vacation rental company side, which is our largest local competitor. So we doubled in size overnight, went from wow. about 250 to 500 homes. And then 360 sold to a company called Natural Retreats, which is based out of Charlottesville, Virginia in... 2020, 2020. Yeah. September, 2020. And I stayed on for about a year and then decided to transition out. And I moved out of Florida and started my new adventure at Outpost Group. But 360 is such an incredible company. And I didn't know when I started there that the reputation was what it was until I started going to conferences. So I took a revenue job, ultimately became the director of sales and revenue, ultimately became the chief of staff and then the chief strategy officer. And so I would, I started to go to conferences representing the company and people would come up to our team all the time and say like, Oh my God, you work for 360 blue. I look at your website all the time. You're such an incredible company. And it really like not knowing anything about the industry, I began to think like, Oh my gosh, I really picked a good one. Um, <laughs> that was such an incredible experience and like 100% how I learned as much as I have about the industry, um, began. Yeah. You're like, thank God for that bonfire. Seriously. Right? Like, I if, like if that bonfire so, hadn't happened. Yeah. Yet. Very serendipitous that it happened that way, which like, who knows? I'd be in like China right now teaching English. <laughs> God knows. Um, but yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, so how do you go, like what convinces you to move to like Jackson Hole? Like mm-hmm. not the same as the panhandle in Florida. It's it's you not know, it's freezing right now. So, yeah. so uh, uh-huh. what, what, talk to us about the lead up there. Yeah. So I, you know, having been with 360 for six years and post acquisition, of course, like any time an acquisition happens, things are different. So I stayed around just to try to understand like, what is post acquisition life look like? But more than anything, I was still in my hometown and I was ready to leave. Like I had been there for a really long time. I'd moved back after college. It was so great being close to my family, but I was just like eager for a change and it felt like the right time to exit And I find myself like I am definitely the person that enjoys being at a smaller, like scrappy startup, quick moving company that, you know, you can make decisions one day, implement them the next day and larger companies, right? Like you just can't move that quickly. Um, Understandably so when you have 300 employees and 1500 homes. And so I started looking around for roles. And as I was figuring out this about myself, that I liked the startup environment, I had applied for a job at Verbo, which is really funny now looking back to it. And I had like gone through the interview process. I honestly don't even remember what the role was called. It was like manager over like this, like certain segment of the vacation rental side and overseeing like an area of a bunch of different managers, like 
um, client success managers, I guess you could yeah, consider yeah. it. And so I like got all the way through the interview process, but I had also reached out to Mecky who owns Outpost on LinkedIn and we had connected at a conference and he was someone who came up to me and said like, oh my gosh, you work for 360. I know of you and we've tried to replicate a lot of your culture practices here in Jackson. And I remembered meeting him at the executive summit. And I was like, I'm just going to try to reach out to him. And he was the only operator I reached out to. I'd like convinced myself that I didn't want to work for an operator and only want to work on the vendor side. And I said like, this is super random, but do you, are you looking for someone to run your vacation rental company? <laughs> and he said, <laughs> I have someone who manages my vacation rental company right now, but I am looking to grow significantly like business wise in Jackson. And I'd be interested in like starting something that you can manage all of my holdings. And so I flew up here and interviewed for like two or three days, like took me around all the different companies. We talked a lot about his strategic plans and I accepted wow. the job like a month later with the intention to work remotely. And that lasted um. for like six months until I came up to Jackson for the summer and then I never left and I've been here ever since. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So something about like the location ended up really speaking to you. Yeah. I mean, I think just being so close to the team and to the companies yeah. and, you know, my life is here. Like I brought my dogs for the summer and I had sold my house in Florida and just started thinking like, okay, I am not married. I don't have kids. I don't have like my roots are in Florida, but my job is here. So like, why yeah. not try it out? And it's been, it'll in April, this April, 2024, it'll be two years since I moved here permanently. And I've wow. had the job for like two years, two and a half years almost. And yeah, no regrets. I, I definitely don't think I could live in the cold like this for the rest of my life, but it is a fun like destination or like a stop along the journey, yeah. the full destination. <laughs> it's a season. It's a season. Exactly. Uh, which exactly. is amazing. So I was talking to a few of the largest operators in the Airbnb and boutique hotel space recently. And these folks were sharing just how difficult it is to find a great generalist assistant. Someone who can manage guest communications, sure, but also someone who can schedule cleaners, call the handyman when the garage light goes out and help with the occasional email marketing campaign to pass guests. Automated messaging is great to a point, but still has its limits. And let's be honest, the AI tools just aren't where they need to be yet to handle that laundry list of questions that Karen just asked about whether your pots and pans have Teflon or not. Finding this support can be tough and it can also be expensive, if, if not both. And that's why my friend Tanner started Valcove Hospitality. Valcove Hospitality enables you to have a dedicated assistant available 24-7 who can help with everything from email comms to responding to Karen. And they make all of this possible at a fraction of the cost of what it would cost you to hire a full-time employee. Whether you're managing 10 properties or scaling up to 150, Valcove's experienced team is ready to help you streamline your operations. Say goodbye to the endless cycle of hiring and training staff and say hello to seamless efficiency. With flexible partnerships, tailored to your needs. Valcove offers 24-7 report or a custom schedule that fits your business. And with a straightforward hourly rate of just $9.95 an hour for your entire portfolio, you always know what to expect on your bill. No surprises, just dependable, truly transparent service. 
building a hospitality brand has never been more difficult, um, but it's even harder these days, right? You need, to you need to spend your time on the aspects of your business that matter most, not the ones that take the most amount of your time. The team at Valcove is offering Behind the Stays listeners like you an exclusive offer. Use the code Behind the Stays 50, that's Behind the Stays 50, five zero, to get 50% off your first month with Valcove Hospitality. Experience the difference in the first two weeks and see how Valcove can transform your business, giving you the freedom and peace of mind that you deserve and the ability to finally pursue that next big idea that you've been sitting on. Valcove Hospitality, your 24-7 assistant at a price that just freaking really makes sense, guys. Visit ValcoveHospitality.com or go ahead and click the link in the show notes and remember to use the code behind the stays 50 that's behind the stays 50 at checkout. Learn more at ValcoveHospitality.com. Uh, well, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on on the podcast, Megan, is a lot of the folks who, uh, that are tuning in, as I mentioned before, they're a little bit newer to the space. They're doing some really, really cool things. They're building like landscape hotels. They're building glamping resorts in Ontario. They're 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 innovators. They're builders. They're entrepreneurs. Um, most of them like are not connected to sort of the professional side of of the house. And I did a survey with some listeners. Um, uh, I don't know, six or eight months ago, and like you know. 5% of them had heard of like VRMA, right? Like, so it's just, a, it's just a different audience. Right. Um, but, but I'm realizing, and like one of, one of the things that I believe to be true about like my personal mission as a podcast host is because I have started meeting incredible people like you who've like worked in the industry and, you know, you started in reservations and now you're the executive director of this incredible company. Like, and, and, and I also know folks on the other side of the house who are, again, like they had a tech company or they were part of a tech company that exited in 2020, 2021. They took that money, they invested it in real estate in a different way than mom and dad did. And they're trying to build a hospitality brand, right? Like, and and I think that there's so much that both of these communities, right, can can learn from each other, but they're, they're mostly siloed, actually. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of them don't know that the others really exist. Or I think the, you know, folks on the professional, like operator side of things, might, might, you know, I don't know, like look, laugh a little bit at like the guy that's got like the 10 tree houses, right? Like, right. like, you know, there's just, there's just, it's like, eh, that's cute, man. That's cute. Right. <laughs> like come talk to me when you're managing 300 properties, you know, yeah. all across the U S or whatever. So I wanted to bring you on because you seem very entrepreneurial. You're now you've got this podcast that you're, that you're building now. Like what, what are some things that folks should know about like the professional side of, of the house? Like where, where do folks hang out? Like where do, the young, cool people that understand the industry, right? But but are sort of like, you know, crafting their own their own journey, their own entrepreneurial journey as well. Like, where where do you find community? Like, where where do you hang out? Like, what what where do you think that folks who are listening to this conversation might be able to find some folks that might show them the the ropes around like, you know, what has been and and really quite frankly, like what the future of the industry looks like. Yeah. I am someone that didn't find significant value in networking for like the first five or six years of my career, mostly not due to like feeling like above it, but more so like, yeah. I'm going to keep my head down and like learn as much as I possibly can. And like maybe insecurity of like, I don't have a lot to offer to the conversation because I am new in the industry, which you kind of spoke to, right? Like when you have 10 tree houses and you are new to the industry, like you're doing something so cool and badass, but like you could probably feel insecure next to someone yeah. who has 1500 homes across the United States. And that's kind of how I felt like I'm going to learn as much as I possibly can before I even try to have this voice. And I was talking to a good friend of mine 
who was it? Travis Wilburn, who has the 100 collection. Yeah. Which we are a part of at Outpost and is essentially okay. an aggregate of some of the greatest vacation rental managers around the country and a site that promotes them that really promotes like direct business. And I was talking to Travis and he said, I don't see you very active on LinkedIn. And I'm like, because LinkedIn is for my parents. Like I'm not on LinkedIn really. And <laughs> I remember like sitting with that for a long time and thinking, there probably is value in starting to build this network. And ultimately, like it kind of catapulted. I got asked to speak at one conference. And I don't know, I had done it a couple of times before, but like just this one time I made this point of like, I'm going to go to the happy hours. I'm not going to go to my hotel room after I'm done speaking or like after the last session of the day, like I'm going to try to make friends. And that has really been like my say yes year in 2023. And since then, like my network, which I don't love the word network, but like it really is a network has grown tenfold. And so I think, you know, my recommendation would be LinkedIn is important as much as like, yeah. some of us might want to say it is for our parents. It's really not. And it's such a good way to meet people. Like I reach out and message people on LinkedIn all the time that I look up to and respect just to like talk on the phone and pick their brain, even without any specific topic in our industry. Like one thing I think is so special I was telling a friend yesterday, the fact that we have like a small industry compared to hotels, for example, in general, and yeah. everybody is so willing to help is so incredible. And like taking yeah. advantage of that, no matter how many homes you have, or if you're a single Airbnb host, or if you have 10 tree houses and you're like a part of a unique stay model, or you're part of this like larger machine of a company and you want to get out and like, it just doesn't really matter what your journey is. I think we all have this goal of one, like making sure that the short-term rental slash vacation rental space in the travel sector is like known and continues to get larger. And also like we are young entrepreneurs who want to make sure that we are furthering our career. And I think really the only way that we can do that is by not being the smartest person in the room. And so I try to take <laughs> that advice and just surround myself with people who are doing it really, really well. You know, Will Slickers that we talked about earlier, he's got a totally different business than I run, like completely yeah. separate, but he is like one of my greatest friends and someone that like we shoot business ideas around all together. Right. And like, I think you can talk to different entrepreneurs or leaders of businesses that aren't doing the same thing as you. And I honestly think that's like beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. No, so well said. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like just LinkedIn as a, as a platform and, and, and then like podcasting, like my, my yes. unsolicited advice to like any like young entrepreneur is like, get active on LinkedIn and like start a podcast because there's something so like incredible about, and really, I, I think that just, this just says something about how egocentric we must all be. But like when you get invited to have a quick call with somebody, at least for me, I'm like at the point now where I'm like, I, I like, I, I really don't have the time for that. Right. Yeah. But if somebody invites me on a podcast, you bet I'm saying yes. Well, it doesn't matter if they've got three listeners, right? I will be there. You tell me the time of day. You know? Mike. I got my head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And no questions asked, right? About listenership. It's just, it's just funny how, like, uh, again, it, there's, there's just something about us that it just makes us feel special, I guess. Yeah. But anyways, but, but seriously, incredible, incredible, like networking tools. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I cannot, I, I could not imagine, um, where, where you know, behind the stays would be, where my company spontaneous would be, were it not to be for LinkedIn and podcasting. Yeah. Um, I. Full stop. Um, well, 
one of the things I, I wanted to kind of like just double click on that, that you said, Megan, is, you know, a lot of there's a lot of like talk uh, in like entrepreneurship circles on like Twitter and, you know, even even uh, on LinkedIn now, right, about how you've got these baby boomers who have these companies and they're all like retiring and a lot of their kids don't want to like take over, right, their mom and dad's companies. And there's going to be just like this mass, like people are like looking to to offload um, and, and really to sell, right? Whether it's their plumbing business, right? Whether it's their, um, you know, their their landscaping business, right? Whether it's their accounting business, whatever it might be, whether it's their vacation rental management business. So uh, one of the questions I've had, and I don't know if you have any insight here, but do you, are there like people in the industry that are like trying to like sell their vacation rental management companies? Like, do you see that? popping up ever and is that like a play that like you're paying any sort of attention to because i i have to imagine for some of these young entrepreneurs who again might be listening to this podcast today it's great to like be building something unique and something that's differentiated mm -hmm. but at the end of the day if like you want to, a lot of these folks aren't able to do this full time yet because it takes a while to build a brand and, and build a business and get these tree houses cash flowing in a way that makes sense for for you to be able to go full time um I, i'm just curious like do you do you predict that there are going to be a lot of folks that are looking to offload their their business or are they just going to get absorbed by the the bigger guys like can you just like muse on that for a while Yeah yeah I yes my answer to that is yes 100% it's particularly in the service space and we see it a lot in Jackson in particular we actually bought two landscaping businesses that have had oh, wow. the exact same situation right like someone has built this company and people are exhausted especially yeah. after covid like yeah. there is in vacation rentals you know i spoke about it in the first episode obviously I have to plug um there i talked about like it is so exhausting and knowing what you're getting into like it is a business that is 24/7 on holidays, in particular on holidays, like during the most exciting times of year in your destination, like that is when you're going to be the busiest if you're a short-term yeah. operator. And I think people know that getting into it, but you just don't know until you have someone calling you at two o'clock in the morning that their <laughs> toilet is leaking or whatever, you know what I mean? Or they can't get into the house and someone's screaming at you on the phone and you're trying to work with an owner and with a guest, like it's just an exhausting business. And I think a lot of people are tired especially, like I said, after this intense demand that brought that COVID brought and the uncertainty that we all felt in 2020, this like exciting, like it's just been a roller coaster, right? And then in 2022 and 2023 in particular, like it was a scary year for a lot of people as demand started to slow and we weren't printing money like we were in 2020 and 2021. So I think the question would be like, are we as young entrepreneurs going to have this opportunity to purchase these companies that are wanting to offload versus a private equity firm? I think, and Brandy um, spoke a little bit about this. I think it was on our predictions round table. I got to stop talking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she said like VC money is starting to slow down, which I totally agree with. And I'm seeing in like VC money coming into the space. I don't think that for private equity money, I do think that we're still seeing private equity, like companies reach out left and right messaging you on LinkedIn, or you have conferences like IMN where all the private equity guys and gals are out there hunting for their next acquisition. So I'm curious to see, but I also think that they mostly have their eye on very specific plays. 
like I've heard a lot lately about this hyperlux, like nobody's really been able to do this like hyperlux roll up. And I think a lot of mm. equity firms are focused on that. Like how can we create this hyper luxury company that doesn't really exist because such a mix of inventory and so many different destinations. And I don't know, I think that that will leave some cream left for those of us who want to buy in to the industry and um, are looking for smaller players. And I think that honestly, more than anything, like I have yet to see, I want to make sure this is true before I say it. And I, I think that it is particularly in the last five years, a vacation rental company with good branding and a strong leadership team that hasn't been profitable. So yeah. I think that's an incredible opportunity for anybody who wants to get involved. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. So, so well said. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest, and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form, and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. I do wonder too, just like, you know, what is uh, folks, folks that are looking for an exit, right? Um, and, and, you know, not everyone is going to be able to sell for what they think that their company is, is worth, right? We obviously, many of us inflate the value of the thing that we're working on, because we know how much blood, sweat and tears we, we pour into it. Totally. But right, I, I've, I've been hearing more and more from folks too, who are just like, literally asking, like, what, what do I do? Right. Like what, like I, I do want to get out and I'm tired and I don't want this you know business to just like go to zero. And I, and I, I don't really want to do like a merger thing because I want to, I'm just tired. I just want to go do something else. Right. And I think there is an opportunity for these young, for young entrepreneurs who understand branding, who understand like the power of social media, quite frankly, and who, and who really at the, at the end of the day, really understand what, today's guests want out of an experience. Mm -hmm. And if you can go and you can apply those principles that you believe to be true to a context that has like supply and inventory, right. And, and built in customers already. Um, like that's, that, that's a recipe that, that I would bet on rather than trying to start, you know, from, from the ground up. Um, and I'm just curious to, to see, I think over the next couple of years, we'll see some of some of these things play out and it'll be yeah. really interesting to see what happens. I agree. And you know, for anybody that is interested in buying or selling or just understanding more of the landscape, we have incredible brokers in the space. There is C2G advisors that you can reach out to and you know, Jacoby, the president has such an incredible view on the industry landscape as a whole and can tell you like this market is worth going into versus this isn't. Here's your average take rate that you can see in these destinations. So 
I don't know, but I agree. Like I am very curious to see what the next couple of years end up looking like, like, you know, private equity could completely pull out for the time being and just say like, Hey, it's too volatile because the market and it's election year and all the things. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll have to regroup in a year and see, I know. And see what happens. Right. Yeah. Um, do you, do you guys work with, um, do you list on homes and villas by Marriott at all? We do not. Okay. No, okay. we explored it in the 360 days and at Outpost. And to be honest with you, like the, it should, the juice is not worth the squeeze or hasn't mm. been for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I, mostly from just, I know that track now has the integration, but previously, like when having to use a channel manager, it was just such a pain that it was okay. never worth it. And so more than anything, like trying to get our direct up is the main goal. And then, yeah. you know, the necessary evil of Verbo and Airbnb, of course. Yeah. I, I, I was curious because I just had a conversation with Chris Stevenson, who was like the go-to-market lead for homes and villas. Mm-hmm. And, um, he, and, and, you know, I, I actually had no idea going into the conversation that like they exclusively worked with, work with professional, uh, operators yeah. and you can't, you know, just list your, your, you know, one-off treehouse uh, with, with them and, and whatnot. Right. Um, but I, I've been, I need to, I've been trying to find some, some other folks to talk to who do work with, with homes and villas, because as, as he explained it, which, which was really interesting was they, they passed the, the relationship off to, to the, to the operator mm-hmm. you know, after, after the booking. And, you know, for folks who do, who are interested in obviously sort of like building up like their own repository of guest data that it seemed a little bit more like a, a, a third way, like a middle ground compared yeah. to like what you get from like Airbnb or Verbo. So I was just, I, it was, yeah, shooting in the dark, but wondering if, if maybe you guys had worked with them and could shed, shed a little bit of light on that. Yeah. One, I would say before homes and villas booking has been on our radar and mm. I don't know, as they start to come more and more into the United States and gain traction with travelers, I'm really curious to see what their journey is going to look like. I know that Track's finalizing their integration with Booking right now. We're a Track user, so we'll see what ends up happening. But that's like the next OTA that I've got my eye on. Yeah. Crazy, just quick little anecdote about Booking. So the other day I was traveling um, for just a, a very quick trip, and I do always look at short-term rentals and I do always look at Airbnb from like my quick trips. You stayed in a hotel. I stayed in a hotel and I, oftentimes I do stay in a hotel and here's why. Like nobody, like I can't wait. I can't, every hotel tells you that check-in isn't until 4 p.m. or whatever, but I show up at the hotel at 10 a.m. and I yeah, like, I get a room. Like it's it. just, it's, you know, my flight's early and it's just, it's just not worth the hassle of being like, well, I'm just gonna like walk around and like wait at the airport till four, no way. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, I digress, but uh, why did I even start, start sharing that story? Oh, booking.com. Um, oh, booking.com. Thank you. So I was looking at, uh, I was looking for a hotel for, at this, for the city I was going to. And I kid you not. Okay. I found a room at the Ritz Carlton. Okay. For $400 oh cheaper gosh. on booking than anywhere else. Literally. Like it must've been like a mistake fair or something. Um, did and I didn't it? book it. I didn't book it. No, I should have. Uh, I know. I know that. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe this is a crappy story because maybe if you like actually booked it, like it didn't work or something. You didn't like the experience. <laughs> um, but I was like, what? And then I and so, but I did book a hotel via booking 
for a, a, a totally different property. And it was also $100 cheaper than anywhere else I had found. So I, again, I don't know what they're doing right now. If they are just trying to like, you know, uh, aggressively acquire new, new, new users, but I have totally anecdotal evidence here, but there seems to be like some ridiculous deals on booking right now. <laughs> There is. Yes. So I'm like ride or die hotel too, which I'm always like embarrassed <laughs> to admit, but also not because I'm like, who doesn't appreciate staying in a hotel with yeah. the ropes yeah. and the room service? Like there are just things <laughs> that we as operators have more of a difficult time providing to our guests than hotels. And I am like a four seasons ride or die. Um, nice. And yeah, booking, I, I gotta be honest, like I'm a fan of, but I typically will like look on Expedia first and then book directly with the hotel just to see availability, which is interesting in and of itself. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the process that so many of us have, like there is yeah. something great to look at, like the aggregate of what is available versus having to go to each individual hotel on their own. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. I've lately been doing that on the booking side. Yeah. So We'll see. I don't know. I'm curious to see like what the next year looks like with booking.com. Yeah, I, as am I. And um, let the record show that booking.com is not sponsoring this episode, <laughs> um, even though we just gave them but lots of endorsements. But they should be. But yeah. they should be. So if anyone from booking is listening. Yeah. Hey, that and you, and you don't yeah. just have one podcast get uh, host here. You've got you've got you've got yeah, Megan show exactly. too. You're so, welcome. I want to talk about workflows and espresso. So talk to us a little bit about like, had you always wanted to start a podcast and you just never did? Like what's, give us sort of like the skitty on, on workflows no. and espressos. No, well, my <laughs> best friend and I had always dreamed like, should we start like a funny podcast? And we never have. And she's always like, look, whenever you're ready, like I am down to start this podcast. <laughs> It'll just be us like giggling and talking to each other for an hour. And Will texted me like, I don't know, a couple months back and said, like, I had this idea come to my mind. Like he had sent me the cover art that he had created already. Like, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? I like literally went to bed last night, woke up this morning, marinated on this idea. And I texted my best friend and was like, look, I have to talk to you. I know that we talked about this podcast, but this is actually for work. It's not going to be as funny. Uh, this is before the blooper reel. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know. I've been, I told you like 2023 was kind of my yes year. Like I said yes to every single speaking engagement. I went to every conference. I connected with anyone who wanted to have a conversation and it was, it paid off in so many ways from a relationship standpoint. And one thing that came out of it was workflows and espressos. So yeah, the concept of the show really, so we're going to run it for seven episodes the first season and it's just me solo, which I was originally nervous about. Like, how do you keep an audience engaged when you're literally yeah. talking to them by yourself for 30 to 45 minutes? And I think it's been engaging. I don't know. I'm like, like I said, I haven't made it through like a full first episode listening to myself. Do you listen to your episodes? I, uh, in my episodes, no. Um, I, I can't either. I I'm, I'm with you. It's like, it's the so only time bad. I, the only time I do it is like when I think, Oh, that was really bad. Like I, Me like too. there are yeah, some yeah. interviews where you're like, Oh God, like that just, you sign off and you're like, that wasn't interesting. Like that wasn't yeah. exciting, you know? And so sometimes I'll listen back to it to see like, okay, was it my fault? Like, did I not prepare for the episode enough? Did I not do like good guest research? Was the line of questioning boring? Or did I just like have a bad guest, right? And, yeah. and sometimes it's, you know, the former and other times it's it's the latter. So sometimes when, I, when I'm when i not sure how an episode like went, 
I'll go and listen to it. But but outside of that, no, I I it it's cringy, right? You're it's like, so why do you cringy. say um so many times? Why do you say like? I was thinking, I'm like, I guess that's how I know I'm not a narcissist, right? It's like <laughs> I hate listening to it. It's so awful. My boyfriend played it in the car. We were coming back from snowboarding, and he was like, "This is amazing," and I just like literally was like covering my ears, like it, it sounds like nails on a chalkboard. Um, but I have like the recording process has been so fun and just connecting with different people. Like I've met so many new people, you included since, uh, workflows and espresso. So I'm really excited for the option of season two of Will's listening. And <laughs> I don't know, I'd love to have guests on in the future. Like I, I think there's so much f- fun that is, can be had on podcasts in the travel industry, especially with like our generation that's still learning yeah. so much and trying to, I don't know, like create a new version of the vacation rental industry that hasn't existed over the last 20 years. And part of that, I think, is like this podcasting movement. And we all yeah. like, I don't know, everybody has something to say and it's all so valuable. Like I enjoy listening to every single short-term rental podcast that's out there right now. So I just can hope that my network feels the same. Yeah, well, I mean, I listened to the first episode. I haven't listened to the second episode yet. And um, what I will say is it's very well done. I What I liked about it, and, you know, as, like, a podcast host, like, you're, like, critical of other people's shows, right? Yeah. Like, it just kind of comes with the territory, right? So I was, like, you know, I was listening to it and kind of, like, preparing my critique. And um, <laughs> what <laughs> – You're, like, what did she screw up? Uh, no, no. But, like, what, what I thought was so interesting about – about your style, Megan, is like you one, you ha- you have a really good voice for podcasting, which I think is it it actually is key. Some people will say it doesn't really matter. Anyone can be a podcast host. But you have to have your voice has to have enough intonation and you've gotta it's it's gotta be a good it's gotta be a good voice to listen to you. So you've got a good voice. That, that's you. you know, check uh number one. <laughs> number two, you've you strike a really good balance between value of content delivered and then also the the words and that you choose, like the adjectives that you use to explain a concept, right? Yeah. Or to, or to you know, uh, illustrate a concept. I guess is a better word. You do you, your word selection is really great, um, which again is a hard thing to do. It's especially when you're solo potting, right? It's easy to so just kind of riff and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then three. What I'll, what I'll say is that you you also just do a really good job of like packing in. Uh, a, a bunch of value in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming. Like I feel like you you give a level of depth that is appropriate for the medium mm-hmm. without being too shallow or going too deep to a point where I'm like, dude, move on from the point. Like, right. I, and, and stop listening. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, kudos. Thank you. <laughs> that has honestly been like what I've been most anxious about is I've left every recording and thought, I literally will ask Will and Kelsey, the producer, and say like, did I make any points during that? Or like, did I only make like just chat? And they're like, no, 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 you did. And so I've started to, I try to do a mixture of like riffing and also um, like having detailed notes. And I always like, I've kind of gone back to this concept of having like three to seven takeaways. And if I can have like takeaways at the end that I know that I've stayed on track, but it still allows me time to like digress and kind of talk about different topics. But yeah, I mean, my biggest fear 100% is that somebody listens and is like, what did I just listen to? So that has not been the feedback so far, but we've only had one episode out. So we'll, or two now. So we'll see. Yeah, so the pressure is high. Yeah, the pressure, the pressure is really um, high. 
<laughs> um, and and Megan, I, I realized I don't think we actually talked about like the sh- what the actual show is. So it's it's like how how would you describe it in like a, a framing sentence or two? Yeah, so we really dive in. We kind of talked about like I'm doing it solo, and each episode is between like thirty and forty minutes, and I go into different like departments or segments of running a vacation rental business, whether you have one unit or honestly, like whether it's a startup in general, which is kind of what the first episode was geared toward. And, um, or if you have 350 or a thousand units, like I try to make it approachable to just every aspect of the business. So we go into marketing in one episode and branding and what's important about direct bookings versus using OTAs. And I, what's important to me too, is I try to provide content that you don't necessarily get if you go to Verma and you sit in a session, because I know so many of us have, so many of us haven't also, but I don't know. I wanted to like provide different tips and like actual actionable information that you could literally take and say like, Oh, I'm going to implement my business tomorrow, or I'm going to start meeting about this tomorrow. So we talk about technology in an episode and finance and regulation and one and kind of really just like go in depth. But to your point, like in this short span of time, um, into each topic. And like I said, I try to end it with like three to seven takeaways. So if you've literally heard nothing else at the very end, you can scroll to the end and I say like, okay, here are your takeaways, this, 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 and this. Um, so yeah, yeah that's like the TLDR. Yeah. TLDR. Exactly. <laughs> did I say that in the first episode? I feel like I did. I think, I think you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Will's always like, you use too many acronyms. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, our listeners are young and hip. Okay. They know. The are you okay? I meant to ask, do you have like a, mac- uh, a marketing background, a marketing background, <laughs> a marketing background? I, I guess you, you ended up, you ended up doing PR for, for a bit in college. Yeah, it was like but... a semester in college. Um, but no, yeah. not really. I am, I'm a good like critiquer, but I'm a horrible creative. Mm. Like if you were to ask me to like design something, I could tell you like ultimately what I wanted to look like, but I could not do it. Uh, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I think I'm just, if you've taken the disc assessment or like Myers-Briggs, I'm mm-hmm. extroverted and, mm-hmm. uh, like I'm an I on the disc test and an ENFJ maybe on Myers-Briggs. Ooh, no wonder I like you. I'm an ENFJ as well. Mm-hmm. I can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's just like being engaging is important to me more than like anything yeah. else, right? Like yeah. is the person that I'm talking to enjoying our conversation? And I think that translates to podcasting or being on a podcast or speaking on a panel or like talking to somebody on the phone. And so that is always like my goal. Am I engaging? Like is anyone falling asleep when they're listening? And yeah. are they able to take anything away from this? One of the one of the hardest things, like it, it's it's absolutely hard to do that when you're solo potting, right? But I will say it can be even harder when you have like a bad guest, yes. right? Meaning not not a bad guest, like all my guests Monotone. are monotone. Like every once in a while it's like, yeah, or 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 it's like, did you have you listened to a podcast before? Yeah, like some Do you know how podcasts are supposed answers. to go? Yeah, yeah, it's like this This isn't like a CNBC interview <laughs> where you've got 30 seconds to answer a very pointed question, right? right? Um, and uh, yeah, anyways, I I have there, – there have been times, and I feel like I have to then overcompensate with my energy, right, Ooh. to like keep people engaged because you're like – Wow, this is this is a snore. Yeah. And so then and then I, I end up 
<laughs> like over overly dramatic and and i'm like this is also weird because like this isn't really who i am but now now i'm just like acting like yeah oh, right anyways. like am i being a freak right now because i'm trying <laughs> to bring up the energy because i have like a funeral on the other end of the phone yeah <laughs> Yeah, I know. I can yeah, I can imagine that. Like what happens when you have a guest that's like, "Yes, I enjoy the industry." <laughs> and you're like, uh, I was talking to somebody and this will be vague enough where no one will be hopefully will be able to like pinpoint who I'm talking about, but I was talking to a, a, an individual and literally I was like, "So, you, you know, like when, when you think about like the future of the industry, like what what excites you? Like where do you see opportunity?" And their answer was, "I mean, I uh I just think that there's, you know, a lot more of the same to be done. Oh God. And I thought he was, and so I laughed because I no. thought this individual was like joking and that was it. No. Like that was the takeaway. Like, that was what he was looking forward to. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I, and I, there's that awkward moment when, when you're like interviewing somebody yeah. and, and you laugh and then they don't. They're like, <laughs> I wasn't being funny. So what are you laughing at? Oh my gosh. No, that's my worst nightmare. See, I would be like, I think I would say like, man, you haven't had any coffee today. Have you? Like, I think I'd say something like that and it'd even be more awkward. Um, but I could do this. I would definitely overcompensate like you. Like, I feel like I would need to be like extra funny or extra engaging. And then it like, I feel like a freak and Yeah man yeah <laughs> you're right i'm gonna stick to solo podcasting now for the rest yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say Megan, I, think, I think you should stick ride the solo pod game as long as you yeah, can yeah i don't have uh, to rely on anybody else's person <laughs> taking this street uh, oh gosh well uh this has been a a wide-ranging conversation <laughs> and um i've had fun i hope you have and yeah thank <laughs> I you hope so those, much for having those me. tuning in and you know don't don't hate us for, for all the giggles but um <laughs> But no, this is uh this is great. I really appreciate your time again and all the incredible work that that you're doing. Uh, for folks tuning in, um, I'm, I'll have links to Megan's new podcast, Workflows and Espressos, in the show notes below. Also, go ahead and check out Outpost if you're not familiar with it already and you're just looking for some inspiration for your own business. And or if you want to connect with Megan directly on LinkedIn, I'll have a link to her LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well. But thank you so much for your time, Megan. It's it's really been a pleasure. Thank you, Zach. It was so fun hanging out. Let's do it again. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Boozy Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote-unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.